But why can we not replace capitalism? Do you understand the, the like that the very concept? I mean, that's the first line of that article, and you can you're already going why? You must you must go why? If you're not, you must do. That's just, the government has ordered schools in England not to use resources from organisations which have expressed a desire to end capitalism. Why? What's wrong with anti capitalism? Okay, hey everybody, and welcome to the Andy that's in the Bonnevilles podcast. Hope you're well. Um, yeah, so this is number 31, so let's do this. A sip of my coffee. Lovely. So, basically, uh, first of all, I want to apologise for again, every week I do this, I always apologise for not being more consistent with these, but it's, uh, I'm very busy, and um, it's hard to kind of, because I'm not just coming in here talking shit, although I do talk a lot of shit, you know, but um, I do have to do a bit of research and stuff, and you've got to get in the right headspace, I have to anyway, to, 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 uh, Jesus, can't get my seat comfy at all. I have to get into the right headspace just to uh, to be motivated to come in here and to do this. So, what I'm going to do, I'm going to endeavour going forward to put one of these out every Wednesday. That's going to be my thing. So every Wednesday, I'm going to drop a new podcast. That's my little uh, um little promise to myself. And hopefully, and to you by proxy. So, uh, just going to try and get a bit more regular with these. Um, yeah. So, first of all, a couple of things. Uh, my album. I mean, you. That's one of the things I've been busy with. By the way, is uh, I'm doing a video of my album now. At the at the minute, I'm making it with uh, my dear friend Mickey Bartlett, the comedian, and my wife, the uh, Janie. Is there in it, and it's sort of it's going to be a bit funny, although the subject is very emancipatory, emancipatory and leftist. The the song is, but we're going to try and make a little bit of a funny video. We've all started roller skating recently, and we've been going over to the the rink in Ported Iron, which you should do because it's great fun. We we go over on a Friday night. You're more than welcome to come over and join us, and it's all COVID safe and everything. So uh, we go over, they have all our gear laid out for us, all our roller skates, and uh, the, the the table, and you have to wear a mask, and you get your temperature taken, and there's hand wash everywhere, and then you go, and you, you go for a wee skate, and you wear a mask all the time, uh, and that's that's fine, it's great, and we love it, we'll have great fun. I used to skate a lot when I was a kid, and I haven't done any in quite a long while, but I must say, I'm taking taking back to it like a duck to water. I really love it. It's great fun. So, uh, the video's going to be... We're going over on Friday again a bit early. We want to do a bit of filming over there on Friday uh, for the video. The song, for, for the song called... It's called We've Got Horns, by the way. So, uh, yeah. So, I've been doing that. So, it's a bit, been a wee bit busy. And then, uh, tonight, I'm going to be going watching my beloved Liverpool play. Arsenal, 
with uh, the boy Richie McGee. So we're going to go around to the Woodville again, all COVID safe, and we go around there and we watch our football. So you should do that if you if you're into that sort of thing. Right, that's the updates done. I think yes. So on with the podcast. So today it was a good day. I got a book in the post, and this is what basically has inspired me to come out um, to my studio, my little studio here, and do the podcast. And this is the book. Now, for those of you... Oh, before I go on, like, share, subscribe, everybody, please. Thank you for the feedback I've been getting, I should say, as well, before I continue. I really appreciate it. I um, hope, hope you're enjoying it. Most of you that contact me are. And if you want to contact me to tell me that you're not, go fuck yourself. Um, Basically. So, let me see if I get this. That's the wrong one. Where the hell is it? Oh, I'll just add the little... I don't think I've added the... Oh, no. I haven't added it to my thing. I'll just do that now. So, yeah... I got uh, a new book today in the post, and here it is. It's The Ragged Treasured Philanthropists. I'm sure, if you don't know what this book is, it's a book by a chap called Robert Tressel, who's an Irishman. I, shamefully, I don't know what his real name was, but he... um. He wrote this book a hundred years ago, and every word of it is as relevant today as it was back then. He never saw it published in his lifetime, sadly. He died of a lung condition, tuberculosis, I believe, when he was about 41. Robert Tressel wasn't his real name. As you can tell from the the character on the, the sleeve there, this guy is a painter decorator, and he took his name, for, and he was a painter decorator himself. And he took his name from the trestle table, that the, that the, the wallpaper table that the painter decorator traditionally would use. So, now, I have this book here. This is my ver- my copy of the book. Where are we here? There we go. There is it. This book, basically, if you're not a socialist, before you read this, you will be when you're finished. If you haven't heard of this, this is not an accident that you haven't heard of this. This is what we should be learning at school. All of us. But I never heard of this book until I was in my 30s, I believe. Maybe older. Yeah, 30s. I'm going to say 30s. Alright? This book, my cousin Barry Kerr, it's his favourite book. This book uh, is heartbreaking and difficult to let, to, re- to read, but it but chapter personally for me chapter three the financiers, I struggled with that chapter. I I had to I I was counting the pages for that chapter to be over, and it in it, two of the characters, their young married couple, are going through their finances. They have to pay certain debts. They have to pay the butcher. They have to pay the people for the furniture. They have to pay the rent, and they're cutting, and, and he needs new shoes and do 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 for his work. And they're 
doing their books and it's absolutely fucked. For me, it was devastating because I remember, I've done that in my own life. My wife and I, Virginia <laughs> and I and our married life have been through that and it, it was, it's not pleasant and it, it makes you feel unmanly and uh, it was hard to read and the rest of the book is quite, There's. it's not all like that but it's heavy but essential reading if you're only ever going to read one more book for the rest of your life and you haven't read this please make it that The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist by Robert Tressel now to my point what I got in the post today was a book that I bought on pre-order and here it is and you can see on the screen, if you're listening to this podcast, I'll read it out. It's Ragged Treasured Philanthropists, a graphic novel by Scarlett and Sophie Rickard. And what a beautiful graphic novel it is. I am a fan of graphic novels. I love graphic, graphic, oh, I love graphic novels. I'll hold this up to the camera. I just randomly open the page. There you go. You can see it's very beautifully drawn and illustrated by Scarlett and Sophie has done the writing there you go and I'll read just I'm not going to read I'm not going to read it out but um, original author Robert Tressel text adapted by Sophie Rickard and drawn by Scarlett Rickard edited by David Hain and tactical consultant do Samoji? No, there was another wee bit. Basically, where did I say it? Oh, Jesus, maybe I made it up. No. Basically, just it was judiciously edited. Basically, they didn't. They didn't. They, they, they kept it true to the text of the book, which is essential for this book. It's very, very important. But what this is, the main character Owen in the book is a painter decorator. These guys are getting abused terribly by their bosses, the capitalist class, and they're struggling to make ends meet. Uh, they could be fired on a whim. The bosses are playing. The bosses are playing uh, the workers off each other to cut their wages, and so on and so forth. And this, it's. Every, every every socialist in the English-speaking world has probably read this at one point. If you're a socialist and you haven't read this, or if you're left-leaning and you haven't read this, I really recommend I recommend the book. But if you're into the graphic novel thing, I haven't read this yet, but I'm sure it's going to be... It's uh, By the way, it's an absolute tome. It's a big lump of a book for the graphic... I mean, the book itself is a big book. It's a big, thick book, right? You're not, you're not reading that in an afternoon. And you're not going to read this in it, the, the graphic novel either. It's huge. I mean, as I said, I'm a fan of graphic novels, and you do pay by the you pay by the weight with graphic novels. Nor Something that thick and down Forbidden Planet, about 30, 40 quid. This is fourteen ninety nine, right? Uh, self-made hero. Publishing, you can buy it online. If you Google, if you go, if you Google "ragged treasured philanthropists," this comes up in like the top of the for sale bits. 
at the, at the very top, like first thing. That's where I got the photograph from for the for the video there. So you can find this online. I bought this fourteen eighty nine. It's already available online, like twelve ninety nine, which is for completely for free. You need to buy this. So oh god, there it is. The Economists. Just seen chapter three. The Economists. Oh, there it is. That's the one that near broke me by. Hmm. Can you see it? It's just damn it sitting down on candlelight to go through their. F oh, just very disturbing stuff. So that there, buy that book. Do yourself a favor. I should say as well, Scarlet, the illustrator, is a partner of Tim Ray. Tim Ray and Scarlet used to be in a band called Gin Palace. They're in another outfit at the minute, a duo, like real garagey, real garagey, punky blues duo. Can't remember what they're called. But they used to be in this band called Gin Palace. And before the Bonnevilles even started, I was listening to Gin Palace. And they're very influential on the... The, the the garagey sort of style of blues that we played that they they were they're from the, the south coast of England Brighton area uh, well not, not, I don't think they are from Brighton but the south coast of England and they were very influenced very influential on the fact that they were doing that real raw style it was way back in the MySpace days I was like oh, I could do this you know I could be a bit I could be a bit like that. So, uh, I was very fortunate to meet Tim. I think I've met him a couple of times now. But the first time we ever played in Hastings, he was in the audience. And uh, I got to thank him, personally, for existing. And it was a great thrill for me. And then, a few short years later, his lovely partner, Scarlett, releases this work of absolute art. And I'm very, very excited by it. And I really can't wait to get stuck into it. So, there you go. So, I'm connecting the dots here, you know what I like to do, I like to connect everything. So, I'll take that off the screen, and I will put this up instead. And this is from a headline in The Guardian, from... Give me date, it's this week, the other day, 27th, Sunday the 27th. So, schools in England, this is hard to believe... Schools in England told not to use material from anti-capitalist groups. Idea categorised as extreme political stance equivalent to endorsing illegal activity. <laughs> if you, if you, if you're a teacher and you teach material, or what, 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 what is the word language they use? Anti-capitalist groups, right? I'll read this article. This is fucking beyond belief. Really beyond belief. Now, if you're not from the UK, you may not know this. England, this is the Department of Education, the DFE for England. We're Northern Ireland here. We have our own Department of Education. Same goes for Scotland, same goes for Wales. Our education system in this country... Who's our education minister? I can't even remember. But anyway, is it that, is it that fuckwit Poots, Edwin Poots, is it him? Anyway, so, I'll read this, and this will give you an idea of what we're dealing with. Because this is, this is quite staggering. It's a very interesting article. So, 
Martha Busby is the writer of this. So, the government has ordered schools in England not to use resources from organisations which have expressed a desire to end capitalism. Now, what's wrong with wanting to end capitalism? If, as an idea? Why can we not end capitalism? Why is capitalism protected? Why does it move into the protected class? Capitalism was born. And capitalism will, will go away and it will be replaced by something else. What, what do we replace it with is up to ourselves, whatever we choose. At the minute we're heading down the corp, corporate fascism route. But why can we not replace capitalism? Do you understand the, the, like that, the very concept? I mean, that's the first line of that article. And you can, you're already going, why? You, mu- you must go why. If you're not, you must do. That's just, The government has ordered schools in England not to use resources from organisations which have expressed a desire to end capitalism. Why? What's wrong with ending capitalism? Was it given to us by God? No. You would think it was in some parts of the world. Has it always been here? No. Before that it was feudalism. It had its time when it left. And what did feudalism replace? Slavery. So slavery... Feudalism replaced slavery. So feudalism was shit, but it was better than slavery. Capitalism replaced feudalism. Feudalism sucked balls, for a large part. Better than slavery. And then it was replaced by capitalism. Has was has feudalism was feudalism did feudalism do some good things? Was it better for the with a worker for the majority of the people? It was probably better in some ways than better than in some ways in slavery and sucked in other ways. Probably not as bad as slavery though. Capitalism better than feudalism, but not great. Not the end of the line. Is this it? Is this the end of our financial uh, our economic system? We're, we're now we have to live with capitalism forever. We can't look for better. Is there nothing better than capitalism? Of course there is. You know what it is. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, the Department of Education guidance issued on Thursday for school leaders and teachers involved in set, setting the relationship sex health curriculum categorized anti-capitalism as extreme political what the f- as an extreme political stance and equated it with opposition to freedom of speech <laughs> anti-semitism and endorsement of illegal activity this sounds like a straight from fucking george orwell i i don't know how i'm going to get through this article with you so second this is a second line so I've stopped on the first line, and I'm going to stop in the second. The Department for Education issued on Thursday for school leaders and teachers involved in setting the relationship, sex, and health curriculum. Why is this in that? Categorized anti-capitalism as an extreme political stance and equated it with opposition to freedom of speech, anti-Semitism, an endorsement of illegal activity. So you're not allowed to teach people about people that want to end capitalism under 
the guise of protecting freedom of speech? Anti-Semitism? An endorsement of illegal... This is fucking dystopian. It's unbelievable. I have read this article. I've read it twice already, but this is my third time. The former shadow chancellor, John McDonnell, said the measures effectively outlawed reference in schools to key events in British history and that it symbolised the growing authoritarianism within the Conservative Party. Absolutely. The guidance, part of lengthy guidelines for implementing the statutory curriculum, said schools should not, under any circumstances, use resources by organisations that take extreme political stances on matters. This is the case even if the material itself is not extreme, as the use of it could imply endorsement or the support of the organisation. Fuck me. Holy fuck. That is... If that doesn't scare you, you you, you need to go... You're not hearing what I'm hearing. The case, even if the material itself is not extreme as it could imply endorsement or support of the organisation. So, let me see. So, an exa- example of... Uh, okay, let's do this. An example of an organisation that is anti-capitalist. Soviet Communists World War Two. Are you not to teach about them? Are you not to teach that the Soviets won World War Two? Oh, big controversial, isn't it? No. Do the do 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 the numbers? Twenty million dead. Twenty million Russian Soviet communists dead. Far more than the Allies lost everywhere else in the world. If it wasn't for Russia, Hitler. Was, would have won World War Two. Hitler split his fighting forces and fought on two fronts. Fought the Allies from the West and invaded Russia. Got bogged down in Russia. Lost treasure and men and resources. And it was the... It was the Russian... The communist fighters. They got to Berlin first. You know this. You don't need me to tell you this. So, can we not teach, or can the English not now teach that? Because that's, they're obviously anti-capitalist. So you can't teach the, about the communist contribution to World War II. It's being written out of history anyway. You see that more and more. But this is this is just putting a fucking, putting a highlight marker on us. So, here, well, listen, I'll push on. It listed examples of what were described as extreme political stances, such as publicly stated desire to abolish or overthrow democracy, capitalism or to end free and fair elections, opposition to freedom of speech, the use of racist, including anti-Semitic language, the endorsement of illegal activity, and a failure to condemn illegal activities done in support of their cause. Okay, these are deliberately vague, and that's, that's dystopian. All of those are vague. What do you mean? What do you mean by this? They're all deliberately vague. So they're a catch-all. So you do something and you can get dropped into this. You see, If you talk about Israel-Palestine, talk about the PLO, you're an anti-Semite. A word which has lost much of its heft over recent years. But we shan't talk about that today. 
a publicly stated desire to abolish or overthrow democracy. Again, first of all, so what? Is demo- is is the is democracy? Do we live in a democracy? What is a democracy? Democracy is one man, one vote. We don't have that. Especially in the US. People in the US don't have that. You've got to deal with that electoral electoral college nonsense. That's not democracy. Demos means of the people. Chosen by the people. That's what democracy, the word that demos, that's the root of it. So First of all, we don't live in a true democracy. We've got corporations controlling our politicians. We get to choose them once every four or five years if we're lucky. And they have absolutely no accountability to the people. They can continue to fuck up. They can continue to be openly and more openly corrupt as the years go by. Nothing happens to them. So, so then what is the value of your democracy? Now, don't give me mate, bear with me. I'm not saying I'm an anti 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 democracy. I'm not. I'm pro democracy. But as an argument, that's a logical argument. If you taught that as a let's question democracy, let's question what we're doing, I would get thrown into the publicly stated desire to abolish or overthrow democracy. Yeah, catch all here just by asking the question. Communism is an opposition to our modern democracy. And by the way, communism is, depending on the version that you talk about, is democratic. And certain structures are are democratic. We go around the world organizing coup d'etats of left-wing, democratically elected governments all over the world. And then we're going, we're going to do this. Are you fucking mental? Right, McDonald says it will be illegal to refer to large tracts of British history and politics, including the history of British socialism, the Labour Party, and trade unionism, all of which have at different times advocated the abolition of capitalism. It's unbelievable. This is another step in the culture war, and his drift towards extreme conservative authoritarianism is gaining pace. And should worry anyone with beliefs, beliefs, beliefs that democracy requires freedom of speech and an educated populace. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Now, this thing here, culture war. I hate that fucking word, that phrase. I'm not even sure I know what it means. It's again, it's so vague. And in the context that John McDonald is using it, I understand what he's getting at. But it's such a vague word. Uh, or, or, or sentence. That it is it is, manip- it is uh, abused and manipulated by people with vested interests. In either self-promotion or the denigration of ideas. Of other people's ideas. This concept, I mean, whenever you listen to right-wing media... They're never done complaining about the Overton window. They, they, they talk about the Overton window moving more and more to the left. But when you look all over the Western world, all over the world, everything's controlled by the right. So the, 
the whole culture war thing is all controlled by the right. The BBC, the 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 new DG and all this of the BBC are all right wing people. The people that own the news, right wing people. There are no left wing news channels, mainstream news channels in America. MSNBC is not a left wing news channel. It's owned by corporate or it's owned by billionaires. To gaslight you into thinking. And then what they do. And this is what you need to understand. This is the difference between liberal and socialist. Right? Liberals fight the culture war. Going down the... They'll go down LGBTQ. They'll argue those things. Pro-abortion. Gay rights. Equality of the sexes. All of which are good things. But when it comes to the economics, they're right-wing. Not as right-wing as the right-wing, but they're right-wing. So the liberal, is they're, in, they're all happy to be pro-LGBTQ+. But when it comes to the economics, they back the billionaires, they back Wall Street, they back the capitalists. I'm not one of them. I'm a socialist. I'm anti-capitalist. I think capitalism is a bad thing. It's had its successes, but it is now in a state that was predicted by Karl Marx and others that it's eaten itself. And it does it every few years, every few years, every eight, every 68 years, I think, on average, there's a collapse within capitalism. As the Professor Richard Wolff always says, if you live with, if, if, if your roommate was this unstable, you would move, unstable, you would move out immediately. So, where was I? So yeah, so the the very concept of anti capitalism is under attack here. I'll read on. And again, the, the the sorry, the culture war thing. It's easy to be why does the liberal back the billionaire, back the Wall Street, but and at the same time backs LGBTQ plus rights? Transgender rights, all of which I back all that too. I have no problem. I don't give a fuck personally. My own, you can call yourself a teapot. I literally don't care. Do what you like. If you want me to call you a teapot, just tell me and I'll do it. I don't, I literally couldn't care less. Equality for all, that's what I want. But why do they do this? Why do they go on TV and appear as if, as if they're fighting some sort of a battle? Because it's easy. Because they don't actually have to do anything. What does it require for these people? Millionaire newsreaders or millionaire broadcasters or or, or, or uh, the upper middle class, the wealthy. What does it require of them to support LGBTQ plus rights, to support abortion rights, to support equality of the sexes? Nothing. They don't have to do a damn thing. They just have to say it. That's it. And then they're nices. But when it comes to the economic system, they back the capitalists. Who are... And if you can't see this, you need to go and listen to someone else's podcast because you're obviously not paying attention. Who are destroying life on earth. Literally destroying life on earth. So, I'm going to push on. There's not much more of this. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, economist and Greek finance, former Greek finance minister, Yanis Varoufakis, who's a f- fucking great fella, I love him, 
said he wrote a book called The Global Minotaur. You should read it. Um, said the guidance showed how easy it is to lose a country and to slip surreptitiously into totalitarianism. He added, imagine an educational system that bans schools from enlisting into their curricula, teaching resources dedicated to the writings of British writers like William Morris, Iris Murdoch, Thomas Paine even. Well, you don't have to. Boris Johnson's government has just instructed schools to do exactly that. Why people aren't fucking outratting because of this is unbelievable. It gets back to John McDonald's point. Democracy requires freedom of speech and an educated populace. No one knows what this book is. Most people don't know what this is. Why? Under these new guidelines, this is banned. It's book burning. That's what this is. Can you dig it? Do you get my point? Barrister Jessica Seymour QC suggested that the government has had on occasion not complied with the guidance itself after it admitted that the new Brexit bill would break international law. Endorsement of illegal activity. Remember Brandon Lewis standing up in the House of Commons two weeks ago admitted live on TV that the British government was going to break international law but in a very specific and limited way the very specific and limited way was going to restart a fucking war on this island cunt excuse me I know people don't like that word in Ireland it's fine we still I still I, I call people I like that so not that I like Brandon Lewis and continued to, uh, endorsement of illegal activity and continued selling arms to Saudi Arabia for use in Yemen following a court ruling that it was unlawful. Okay. So, there's a big tweety thread on that. So, Tarek Ali, the writer and activist, said that although the new guidance was a sign of moral and political bankruptcy, if anyone expects moral and political anything other than moral and political bankruptcy from these ultra-libertarian capitalist fucking dogs that are the current the current guardians of the, the Tory party. You expect that you're, you're on a fool's errand there. Uh, the advent of the internet meant such measures were futile. Leaving aside the stupidity, these things don't work. People will read what they want to read. Trying to enhance a version of the prevent strategy, which is already in place, is quite scandalous and shocking. If you put things on a banned list, lots of young people can access them via the internet and read them. Banning them from schools will not at all work, aside from the fact that it's a sign of moral and political bankruptcy. How could both young and old people not read anti-capitalist analysis after 2008? Or now with the virus going on and recessions looming all over the Western world, let me just caveat that. 2008, the financial crisis that we all remember, uh, saw millions and millions and millions of people all over the world, 50 million people specifically in the, in America, lose their houses because uh, it was a financial housing crash that caused the ripple was felt across the planet because all tied in, our economic systems all tied into the petrodollar, the American dollar being the, 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 the favoured reserve currency of the world. 2008, the very people that caused the crash, the very banker criminals that caused that crash, instead of being punished punished and put to jail, were literally 
rewarded. Remember what I keep saying? You lie, cheat, and steal and kill, even at the behest of the establishment, so long as you keep your mouth shut, you know, the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you is you're going to be promoted sideways. Usually you get promoted upwards. Person in point, uh, what, what's his name? Mnuchin, Tim, Tim Mnuchin, is it? He's a part of Trump's cabinet. He was in charge of Citibank, I think. He was uh, investigated by the the state of California. Uh, and the report come back and said they found evidence of a thousand crimes. They kept looking, they could find evidence of a thousand more financial crimes. He was a banker. He was in charge of a bank. He is now Donald Trump's... Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a part of Donald Trump's cabinet. Right? He was investigated back in 2008, 2009 for his crimes. Didn't serve a moment in jail. Wasn't even... Person wasn't even arrested, wasn't charged with anything, right? Who investigated him? Kamala Harris. Who's Kamala Harris? Kamala Harris is the current vice presidential running mate for the walking dead corpse of Joe Biden. It's the two Harris Biden or Biden Harris. That's the ticket. So she was the attorney general of California who investigated Mnuchin and the. The report came back, the investigator said, we found evidence of a thousand crimes. If we kept looking, we could find a thousand more. And he wasn't prosecuted. Instead, he contributed to the Kamala Harris re-election campaign. And he was never prosecuted. Despite the fact that he's a Republican, he donated to that campaign. That's the level of corruption in uh that you're talking about here. I mean, th- this is all documented. It's not conspiracy theory. This is fact. This is all documented. So, 2008, and the same thing happened all over the world. Remember the Panama Papers, all this sort of... What happened about that? That just went away. No one was... Per- no, nothing. Big scandal at the time. Everyone was all outraged. <gasps> Imagine. Nothing happened. Right? So, with the virus going on, the recession's looming all over the Western world. The Western world has been in recession for quite a while. The recession that we're talking about, the reason that the recession isn't, isn't we're not panicking about the recession is because the recession hasn't hit the stock market. Stock, the recession has hit everywhere else, has been, is, is hit. But the stock market isn't. There's a reason for that about stock buybacks. I'll explain that all some other time. Instead of these companies running themselves properly, they do stock buybacks. They artificially inflate the stock market in, a, in, a, in order to keep their own salaries inflated because their salaries are are directly tied to the, the price of the stock market or to their 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 listing in the stock market so as long as so any money that the government give them which they do the government gives these fuckers money all the time they just use it to buy stock back and that artificially inflates their stock and that means then they get their bonuses <laughs> lovely jubbly right so but anyway it is understood that the DFA, Department of Education, is clear that schools should not work with agencies that take extreme positions. <laughs> see, see, this is the problem. You need to define those words. What does the word What does the word extreme mean? ISIS, fair enough. Extreme. This book, extreme. I bet you this book would be considered extreme by the people that write. That wrote this legislation. So, uh, Minister for Schools for School Standards, 
Nick Gibbs said, Our new relationship, sex and health education guidance. That's bizarre that it's in that thing. And training resources equip all schools to provide comprehensive teaching in these areas in an age-appropriate way. These materials should give schools the confidence to construct a curriculum that reflects diversity of views and backgrounds whilst fostering people's respect for others, understanding and healthy relationships and ability to look after... What has that fucking got to do with what we're talking with? With banning fucking books? It comes after the counter-terrorism police earlier this year placed non-violent group Extinction Rebellion on the list of extremist ideologies that should be reported to the authorities running the Prevent program. Whoever the Southeast, okay. There you go. That's what you're dealing with. So because Extinction Rebellion, and by the way, um, Extinction Rebellion, as you probably know, they take direct action, they believe in direct action, because anything other than direct action has proven that it, that it can be ignored. Listen to my the song and on my new album. What is the point in protesting at their convenience if you know you need to inconvenience them? That's the the point of it. If you don't inconvenience them, you're just ignored. You apply for permission to protest. Fuck that. More for a bit of direct action. So there we go. Now I'm gonna read you a couple of tweets just on that thing that I thought were brilliant. This is from a girl called Emily, who I don't know, don't know these people. Um, she says, I love how the government think that young people become anti-capitalist because of teachers stroke the curriculum and not because we can't afford to buy a house. We're competing with 200 other people for a job at Tesco and we have increasing access to information that shows us what the rich actually do. Well fucking said, Emily. And then another one here for you. Uh, oh yeah, okay, so this is a girl, a woman called Deborah McAvoy. Sounds American, but says this is urgent message that you need to get to every 18 to 25 year old to share on every platform in response to Emily. A mom of 20 year old and 22 year old sons who will graduate college with 100,000 K in debt each. Oh fuck. Poor job market, no healthcare, American. Please help us parents help you by making public aware it's not liberal education. Okay, I don't know what you mean by all that. But. And then here's one. So you always get a couple of people that sort of disagree on these things, which is fair enough. But when you're wrong, you're wrong. So this is. <laughs> <laughs> the names are class. So this is by, by a guy whose Twitter name is Indy Liberty Army Vet. <laughs> you just know he's killed people, don't you? And wants to kill more. Uh, funny, the working class feels like they would do better under socialism. When in history, there is not one example of it. But blame capitalism, even though there is no one alive today that has lived under a truly capitalistic society... Oligarchs have you all fighting each other. Yeah. So I actually replied to that one. I said, Venezuela's getting mentioned in this hot take for sure. <laughs> I thought that was witty. So just on his point, you true, 
there's there's no example of anyone living better under socialism because there's nowhere in the world that when socialism raises its head it doesn't get its fucking teeth kicked in. So, you know, by the by the big bad USA and their acolytes. So there we go. So that's hopefully all connected up for you from this book, which no doubt will be banned. Is probably is banned already in England. You're not allowed to teach that in school. If it was ever taught in the first place, I don't know. So, yeah, that's rather worrying. Um, and I love how it's it's the author author authoritarianism can exist all over the political scale from left to right. And whenever you say socialism doesn't work, it can't work. What do you mean? You need to explain what you mean by that. So, I have another little thing here. Uh, so, one one of the things I mean, actually, didn't take a. Yeah. So, one of the things that, whenever you're. Trying to have the discussion online about socialism or about left left things. One of the responses that always come back is, "I look at the socialist making arguments for socialism on his iPhone." Right? So, I love it whenever they say that because I can can rip that argument to pieces. And there we go. Why you can thank your government for the the government for your iPhone. An iPhone is made up of six major components. I'm going to think now, the microprocessor, touchscreen, GPS unit, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all that sort of stuff. All of those major, com- all of those components, were developed by uh, government-funded research. So, and the the touchscreen, I think, was Australia. The Bluetooth, I think, was Swedish, and the others, one of the, the microprocessors, I think, were were the U.S. and like the the Brits were involved in a bit of that too. So there's an article here. I'm not going to read it because it is. It's actually not very long, but the, I'm only going to read you one bit of it. Um. Basically, she's sick of people's. You know, said Steve Jobs is a genius. Now you have to give capital. Now Steve Jobs. I mean, don't get me. He wasn't a fucking idiot, but you have to give capitalists credit where credit's due. Very good at that. You know, the, you know, he stitched all it. I mean, there's mine. It's fucking broke the fuck. Just sat on it the other day. Um, he was able to take those components and stitch them all together, right? Those components that they never made, that they never invented, but he had the foresight to do that, so that's great. But where's the public dividend? Where's the royalty? What, what, where, does, what, where does the public, the millions of pounds or dollars, Australian, American, or kroner, or whoever, that was used to develop that component, whenever it's developed, it's just given out into the world. And then it's sold back to you at a premium. So take the iPhone, for example. 
None of the components were developed by Apple. They just managed to stitch them all together, very cleverly put them into a nice, neat little package and create a new market, which is fantastic. But what capitalists do is they don't they don't go, right, there's that market, and then we'll go, go make another market. Everyone just jumps in, starts out trying to compete each other, and that's the idea of competition being good. But all they're doing is re, remarketing the same idea over and over and over again. It's the same thing. Gets incrementally better, faster, or whatever it is, and it's... 40 different companies all trying to do the same thing. And then what they do is they convince you one is better than the other through marketing. Which is just the idea of promoting fucking bullshit. An iPhone and a Samsung and a, you know, they're all just as good as each other. Some are better at this and some are better at that. But essentially they're just a fucking phone. They just do the same thing. They're they're a, a, a wonder of technology, an absolute modern marvel. But where does the, all the components that go into it, iPhone or Apple sell their iPhone to you for $1,200 or £1,000 or whatever it is these days. They don't make it in your country, it's made in China. So the labour costs go there. It's sold to you, and then they offshore all their taxes. Ireland taken, been taken to court trying to protect Apple fifteen billion dollars of Apple tax money that, that the EU says it needs to pay. They won't even pay their, so they won't even, they don't make it here. Then they won't even pay their taxes here after they sell to you for a thousand dollars, using components that was developed by publicly funded research. Your government, your tax money used was used to to do this. Do you see how that's in, in just instinctively wrong? And it's unfair as fuck. So I'm just going to read one part of this article. And it's... So... Uh, the National Institutes of Health have spent almost a, almost a trillion dollars since their founding on research that created both the pharmaceutical and biotech sectors, with venture capitalists only entering the biotech once the red carpet was laid down in the 1980s. Do you, you, you following me here? So the, the venture capitalists, for decades, all, the, 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 what made these mar- the pharmaceutical and the, the biotech markets come into reality was science fiction thinking from the 60s and the 50s. And they would, re- they would fund it way back then when it was in its infancy, when, when some physicists will have an idea and blah, 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 and they would work on this thing for decades being publicly funded then once it becomes established the computer chip the the, the microprocessors start to become econo- um, commercially viable then the venture capitalists come in but they don't pay a dividend they don't pay a dividend for the tax for the investment it all goes, and, and then they don't pay a tax, right? So we pretend that the government was at best just in the background, creating the basic conditions, skills, infrastructure, basic science. But the truth is that the involvement required massive risk, taking along the entire innovation chain, basic research, applied research, early stage financing of companies themselves. The silicon, and this is the, the Silicon Valley VC model. I don't know what VC stands for, which is typically dictated that financiers exist, exit within five years or so, simply isn't patient enough to create game-changing innovation. 
You get it? Hear what I'm saying? The Silicon Valley model, which has typically dictated that financiers exit within five years or so, simply isn't patient enough to create game-changing innovation. Right? This is about a book. The parts of the smartphone that make it smart, the GPS, the touchscreen, the internet, were advanced by the Defense Department. Tesla's battery technologies and solar panels came out of a grant from the U.S. Department of Energy. Google's search engine algorithm was boosted by National Science Foundation Innovation. Many innovative new drugs have come out of the NIH research. So basically, right, you get my point. You get what I'm saying about that, right? So there we go. We bit of anti-capitalism there, saying that the Guardian... Thank God I don't live in England. I wouldn't be able to do this. I maybe find myself in the Gulag or Guantanamo Bay or somewhere awful like that. So, we're going to move on. Nearly done. We quick thing. So, um, just make sure I've hit my talking points. So, UK-US trade deal. As we know, um, as we know, is under threat by the recent convulsions of an increasingly out of their depth Tory government a, a, a group of people that don't believe in governance that, that don't believe say, uh, if, if you're if you know me uh, you'll know I've said this to everybody I can my word of 2020 is leadership Let, that's it I, I've come to understand the importance of leadership in a way that I've never understood before in my life simply through a lack of it and that's what these people are they're fuckwits, halfwits, they're idiots. So, get you up to speed. The UK negotiated a tr- uh, the, ag- the, the Brexit withdrawal agreement with the EU. They signed off on it. This current administration, it wasn't the last government, there's some other, but it's the people that are in charge now. This is what they did. They tore up Theresa May's deal. Uh, saying that it was it was a bad deal for the UK and then negotiated another deal which everybody was left scratching their heads because they were, even the EU negotiators were saying this is worse than the other deal for you but sure, whatever you want if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do so they basically have so they spent, they spent time negotiating that a long time they have now gone on a solo run without including their US partners on whom they are banking going forward to be putting they're putting basically putting all their eggs in the basket that they're going to abandon the EU and they're going to run hand in hand through the fields, through the wheat fields with uh, the USA. But what they did was they threatened to they, they, they threatened to undermine, as I said earlier on, the the the, the Brexit withdrawal agreement, which, which which would undermine the Good Friday Agreement, which was the document the the agreement that brought peace to Northern Ireland, and peace to Ireland. So I'm going to play you a little two little videos. Now remember the last podcast I said the Irish American lobby in the U.S. is very powerful, and 
just in case you don't understand how powerful Nancy Pelosi now and this is not an endorsement of Nancy Pelosi I think she's a fucking ghoul not the point she's one of the most powerful women in the world that is the point Nancy Pelosi has come out and said very, very forcefully. I'm not going to. I didn't get the video because I can't stand listening to her. She's, she needs. She needs to retire as well. Um. Very, very forcefully, that there will be no U.S. U.K. trade agreement. If the U.K. does anything that threatens the Good Friday Agreement, now there's an awful lot of hypocrisy going on here. These people are giving off about the U.K. Reneging on international agreements The US has done it all the time It has completely undermined the UN It has completely undermined NATO It has withdrawn from the Iran Nuclear treaty It it just It it does whatever it wants right? Now as I said in the last podcast These things aren't good because then going forward You need to be be able to negotiate in good faith With your future partner And if you break a deal with someone else This future partner is going away Would they not break it with us whenever it suits them just very simple logic. What they did was so damaging, really, really damaging. Um, every, in, in the in the in the world of modern diplomacy, um, um, international diplomacy, it was fucking suicide. I heard one commentator say, "It's like um, telling everybody that you're going to come to the fight with a knife, which just gives everybody else the opportunity to put on a stab-proof vest." And that's all they've done. They've actually undermined their own position. Plus, they're not going to be able to do it. But here's an... So, Sandy, about the Irish-Americans. Nancy Pelosi has come out. Joe Biden has come out. Now, again, not an endorsement of these people, but they're very powerful individuals. And across the US Congress and Senate, both the right and both the so-called left, there is no left in America, but the Democrats and the Republicans, it's just... They have a boner for Ireland. They just do, and they are in lockstep saying, "Fuck you! If you if you fuck up the Good Friday Agreement, you're getting no trade deal from us." Now I don't know if they mean it, but they're saying it. So here's a congressman called Brendan Boyle. Brendan Boyle is an interesting character, son of a Donegal man. Uh, this is a, a person who watches GAA on a Sunday, and. Uh, still, he's visits Ireland something like three times a year, so he's he's invested. Have a listen. In the anger generated over the Atlantic on the other side of the pond, which could affect any future UK-US trade Joining me now is Democratic Congressman Brendan Boyle, who sits on the Ways and Means Committee, which is the principal source of legislation relating to issues that include international trade agreements. Uh, thanks for coming on the programme. What do you make of all this, uh, this standoff going on between the British government and the European Union? Well, from our perspective in, in, in the United States, it's extremely surprising and disappointing. We thought this issue had been resolved in December when the UK signed up to the withdrawal agreement, negotiated it, adopted it in your parliament. So the fact that uh, just nine months later, we are now back in this position is, is uh, absolutely shocking. And do you agree with Speaker Pelosi that if this somehow affects the Good Friday Agreement, you, the Democrats, will not sign off on any future trade deal with the UK. 
Well, it's not just Democrats to correct you, but I accompanied Speaker Pelosi as well as about 10 of my colleagues from the House Ways and Means Committee to London, Dublin and Belfast about a year and a half ago. We sat down with, uh, we were right there at a, a 10 Downing Street, met with the chancellor at the time, Philip Hammond, and made clear that the United States is a guarantor of the Good Friday Accords. We negotiated it. It is an important, yes, it's a great achievement of the Irish government, British government, the local parties, but also of the, the United States as well, that we felt very strongly about making sure that in the Brexit process, UK did nothing to violate the Good Friday Accord. So if that does happen, which would be truly tragic, Right. Um, there will be no U.S.-U.K. free trade agreement, but, period. Right, okay, but there is nothing in this bill that explicitly violates the Good Friday Agreement. In fact, the government is saying it has put these provisions into the bill precisely because it wants to defend the Good Friday Agreement. I, I, I give them credit for saying that with a straight face. That is a, a real achievement. Absolutely no one believes that. That is sheer nonsense. You know, the issue at stake here goes beyond taxes and tariffs. It is preserving a fairly fragile peace, which has held for the last two decades. I don't know why in the world anyone in the right mind would want to bring back this issue. Uh, it is truly staggering. But if you talk to people in Northern Ireland, it is quite difficult to find people there, the people who actually live there, who think that whatever happens with this trade deal, that hostilities could be resumed. I mean, they just think that that is very, very outlandish and unlikely to happen. Really? I, I, I'm, I would be struck to exactly who you're speaking to in Northern Ireland, uh, a place, by the way, today that has more, quote unquote, peace walls than it did two decades ago. Actually, most people I speak to on both sides of, of the divide there are quite concerned about anything that would happen that would be destabilizing to the current status quo. And just explain to us how you think that this latest bill can de actually destabilize the Good Friday Agreement. If you uh, end up in a situation in which there need to be checks on the border between a member state of the European Union, which the Republic of Ireland is, and the six counties of Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK, would now be leaving or have left the EU. If you need to create checks there and a certain infrastructure to support that, that can have a destabilizing effect. We saw it before in the middle part of the 20th century when those border checks were erected in the first place. And just one more, uh, Congressman. Is there a possibility that because Boris Johnson is you know, pretty close uh, to Donald Trump, that this is domestic, tribal domestic American politics bleeding into a relationship between Washington and London? No, and that's uh, an important point. I, I, When you said before it was just Democrats who have this view, that's actually not the case. The Friends of Ireland caucus is bipartisan. There were many Republican members of Congress who were involved in the negotiation of the Good Friday Agreement, Republican members of Congress who are still involved today. So for here in the U.S., this actually isn't a partisan issue. It's a bipartisan one. Okay, Brendan Ball, thank you very much indeed. So there you go. That's Brendan Boyle. I'm going to play another quick video, a wee quick one. This is from Bonnie Greer, an author and activist. And she was on BBC Question Time. This was over a year ago. And this is what she said. And I remember watching this. I didn't watch Question I fucking hate this shit. But this, I saw this clip. 
And this is what she said a year ago. And this is... So we're getting the, the the privilege of being able to go back in time and see who was right and who was wrong. Remember the, the narrative at the time? Everyone, oh, shut the fuck up. No, 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 Ireland's fine. This is what Bonnie Greer said. Listen to this. Oftentimes I hear people talking about Ireland as if this country owns Ireland. Ireland own, owes this country nothing. Uh, Ireland owes this country no concessions. It owes it no quarter. It owes it nothing. The third thing... The third thing that I would add, too, is that the Good Friday Agreement, in spite of its rather benign uh, name, the Good Friday Agreement is a truce. And it's a truce because the United States of America and the EU sat down with this country to make it happen. We have to be much more serious about this. And the third thing I want to say is that the United States is Irish. And if anybody thinks that they're going to get a deal through and have a relationship, a trade relationship with the United States that shafts Ireland, you got another thing coming. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm from, I'm from Chicago. Uh, that's where I was born. And you know what we do on St. Patrick's Day? We dye the river green. People are very serious about Ireland and the United States. Don't mess with it. Don't make it look bad. Right. Often. Do, you, do you get my point? This isn't going down well in the world of international. You don't hear this in the media. You, if you're if you're in the UK, this is not fucking even spoken about. This is the, England is in its, is 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 in its own bubble when it comes to Brexit. Northern Ireland doesn't exist. Northern Ireland is not something that England concerns itself with, and I think that should. Um, I, I agree with that. I think that's right. England shouldn't have to concern itself. If England wants to Brexit, England should be allowed to Brexit. Remember what we said? Scotland didn't vote for it. Wales, the Welsh people didn't vote for it. It was English retirees that tipped Wales over the edge to vote for it. Northern Ireland didn't vote for it. I think, the, you know what I think? You know my opinions on the empire. It's all dead. I'm going to finish this up with this last tweet. It's from a dude called Irish Monk. Uh, the tired old planet of song, Ireland will fail, India will fail, Malta will fail, Singapore will fail, the Americas will fail, Canadians will fail, Our Canadians will never be a country, Africa needs us, Arabs can't manage, etc, etc. This is British delusional crap forever. It is, now it's EU will fail. The tired, old, the tired old yellowed skin of the rotting corpse of English colonial exceptionalism. Remember what we were, what we were talking about about the, the where do they get this attitude, this approach? Where, where do they from the from the, the way they're raised, the, the, the that public school thing has had its day, and all that's left is maggots feeding on the corpse like farage. I know how fortunate that stereotype, how unfortunate that stereotype is. The nation expresses the wishes of its people in acts, in media, in law, in interaction. England is rejected, hated, and at best tolerated. It is up to the good English people to change that. It is not for others to tolerate. Now, I'm going to caveat all. I'm going I'm to book bookend all this by saying I don't dislike England. 
I love England. I love the English people. Some of my dearest friends are English. We're talking about the ruling elite here. The capitalist class. The colonial class. That's what we're talking about. Right? It's up to the good English people to change it. We can't change it. I can't. There's nothing I can do. What I can do is advocate for what I think is right for me and my countrymen, which is United Ireland. That's it. And, I, and Engl- if England wants to Brexit, England should Brexit. Absolutely should. If that's what they want. But then this all goes back to this whole education. I think Brexit is a fucking mistake. I think it's a mistake for the English. An uneducated populace, whatever, that's my opinion. They, vo- they voted for the wrong thing. Like, but that doesn't matter what I think. That's It's irrelevant. It's literally irrelevant. So there we go. I'm going to finish this one thing. I'm going to play a little... Right, the, the, what are we up to here? We're up to over an hour, so I want to end this. I don't like going this long because it's boring for you and me. So, way back in the 80s, there was a program called Spitting Image in on British television, and it was these puppets, and it was political satire, and there were these very cruelly sculpted puppets, and <laughs> they um, would take the piss out of the government of the day. And the political and and and, and, and cultural people, uh, the, the cultural landscape would would get fucking crucified. To be perfectly frank, it, in, in a brilliant way, it was hilarious. It became so powerful that political careers are actually sort of half ruined because of them, because the the puppets were so on point and cruel at the same time that some of the some of the politicians became quite laughable, whereas they. Bef- because of the show where they weren't before and then the show come along and just point out how ridiculous they were I've seen a couple of the sculptures the, the puppets they've got uh, Pretty Patel as a vampire <laughs> just like, like Count Dracula with a big high collar and the wee fangs which was so fucking on point and Michael Gove has his che- Michael Gove's got big cheeks in real life but in this puppet they're they're, they're two nut sacks they're two testicles <laughs> for, his, for his cheeks on the puppet and I think that one is going to go run long. I think once people pick up on that one, they're going to go with it. He's 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 not that he has any credibility with people like me, but so anyway, so spitting image is coming back, as you may have gathered from what I'm saying. So there's a wee trailer here, and I'm going to play it. This trailer includes adult humour and strong language. Creatures of the night command vast, mightless armies. A hero rises from slumber to once again do battle. By the way, people listening to this on the pod, you should be able to think, but go over to the go over to the, the YouTube and give me a wee follow. Yeah, if, and, and you can see this video. You can see this is on YouTube anyway. This is where I got it off. I hope that playing this doesn't Wait, get me banned or something. Why did you say the show is called? The name, or oh, nomen to the Romans, uh, <laughs> Latin pun, is spitting image. Splitting scrimmage? Spitting image. Shitting scrimmage? Oh, well, it's a <laughs> sketch show with puppet caricatures of real people. Uh, it can be rather nasty. <laughs> Puppets? That is the very most moronic thing I've ever heard. My puppet is going to be the best puppet, and I love it. <laughs> Spitting Image, a show that takes on the global elite with sophisticated satire. 
I hereby declare myself ruler of Earth. Germany, you get a sneaker. Russia, we're a sneaker. Kenya, sneaker. A show with sharp insights about technology. Got all your private data. But I got all your money. A show that dares to take cheap shots. If you like my vagina candle, you'll love my anus oil. A show that makes fun of celebrities, Ooh. but is also endorsed by celebrities. It's great. You're welcome. Kim K here. I tattooed spitting image on my ass. You want to see? No, thanks. It's... Great. It's perfect tonight. Um, <laughs> it's rubbish. I mean, do you really want to? So there you go. I love it. You're going to have to watch that. It's it comes out on October third in the UK. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, and it's actually give you a good insight to the to to the the political and cultural landscape in, in the UK watching these sorts of shows often you can get a better you can parse a country's sort of um, energy better from its satire and its certainly it's comedy so there you go so we're all done I'm going to do these every Wednesday I'm going to I'm, I am going to commit to that and I'm, I, I hope I don't let you down on myself down by saying it but I'm, a, I'm an, an awful fuck, easily distracted arsehole who can just run off and do other things on a whim. So, no record recommends this week, but I am recommending this book, Ragged, Ragged Trousered Philanthropists, the graphic novel by Scarlett and Sophie Rickard. I can't wait to get stuck into this. This is a absolute beauty. And I can assure you, if you're not into the graphic novel thing, buy the actual novel. Here you go. You can get it secondhand on eBay for a couple of quid. But this novel, this graphic novel, is there's over. I mean, there's like three hundred and fifty-one pages there, and that's a that's a huge that's huge for a graphic novel. I don't know how long. I must. I'd love to interview these girls to see if they would they would agree to that. I would love to know how long it took them t to make this, but it was not made overnight. And for fourteen ninety nine, I've already seen it online for twelve ninety nine. But for fourteen ninety nine, this is for free. This is in Forbidden Planet. This is thirty quid all day long. So, I rec my my record recommends is is not a record. Not any records. Is this book? You should go and buy it. Do them a favour. You won't regret it. So there we go. I'm all done, everybody. Uh, and I had to, to report. Anything else? No, that's me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go and watch Liverpool. I'm going to get my dinner. I'm going to go watch Liverpool uh, play Arsenal tonight. I hope it was a good game. And uh, we'll see you every Wednesday for now on. Wednesday night. And then you can listen to this and you'll work on Thursday. Alright? Okay. Take care everybody.